How are we doing tonight, everybody? Good? Yeah? All right. I'm just going to go ahead and start right off with some just big truth. You guys ready for some big truth? Confidence is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's simple, but it's good, right? Confidence can do a lot for you. Confidence can give you the right words when sometimes it's tough. Confidence can win a teacher over or sometimes even a parent or a friend's parent, right? Confidence can get you out of some awkward situations. Confidence can make you seem less awkward. Confidence can make you seem more likable. Confidence gives you boldness, which Sometimes you need to be able to say the hard things or do the hard things. Confidence is a good thing. But one thing confidence does not help you in is walking in a dark room. Have you ever walked confidently in a dark room thinking you know where everything is? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Ottomans for me. Ottomans have my number. They do. Because one time I was, at a, I was at a house and I was with Paul up there. And we were going to watch a movie, and we were going to watch Lord of the Rings. And I was so excited. All right? And it's a theater room. And so the curtains were open, the sun was shining in, and it was blackout curtains. You guys know what those are? That when you put them down, zero sunlight comes in. And so it goes from, like, blinding light to zero light. And I turned around going, I remember where that ottoman was, the little footstool. I tripped over that thing, but it was too wide, so I fell on my face but then my torso was still on it. So I was just on my face with my legs over my head when Paul turned on the lights and laughed really hard. <laughs> but confidence is one of those things that doesn't help you in a dark room. And it's just tough to know where you're going when you can't see anything. It's hard to find your way when you can't see what's in front of you. Tonight, I think that God wants to take us to a place, but if there's anything covering our eyes, it's gonna be hard to go to that place. I think that God tonight wants to open up our eyes to something that's in our life. So tonight I want to kick off with a prayer, a prayer to just ask God to open our eyes. So please pray with me, everyone. Jesus, I pray that you can just let loose tonight. God, we invite you in here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you can cover every single one of us from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. And if there's anything over our eyes in the name of Jesus Christ, let it be gone. If there's anything over our ears, let that be gone. God, I pray that we can have our open eyes. We can have open hearts. We can have open ears to what you, the creator of the universe, has for us. And I pray at the same time that the enemy be blind, deaf, and dumb tonight as we are going to hear your truth and that truth will set us free. We love you in your heavenly name. Amen. So tonight I want to jump straight into a Bible story. The Bible story starts with a young warrior who one day would be considered a giant. He grew up in the plains below Judah in a time where King Saul of Israel was in power. It was a time of war. And the culture of war soaked every place of his life. Growing up with his brothers, life was not easy and it did not come without its challenges. Whether in the field or in town, life was a fight to survive. And from a young age, he learned to fight. To use his weapon, he practiced daily. In the fields alone and as a family, he grew to know his weapon like an artist knows his paintbrush. It became an extension of his hand, and as a boy, he killed with it. And as he grew, his tenacity grew. His focus grew, and he grew to have a heart for his people and a heart for his God. And one summer day, he found himself in the ranks of his army again. 
his brothers on the field with him, easily seen as all of them a clear three feet taller than the other men in the ranks, each of them honoring their commitment to the call of the king to rid this world of the blasphemous tribe that stood across the field. Their number's impressive, but looking down at his own hands, knowing there's no one on this planet that could defeat him, not here, not today. The very air they breathed was offensive. The very fact that they did not believe in his God or any God known to his people was absurd. Myths and stories, they circulated the ranks the night before of the enemy's God who had delivered them in the past. But that made little difference now. For each day, the challenge has not been met. Now, day 40, he was almost boiling with rage. That this cowardly people in front of him didn't even have one warrior brave enough to come out and meet him. Not even taunting their God brought forth a warrior until today. A disturbance at the enemy line brought his attention to the center of the field with everyone looking in. Finally, someone to fight, someone to kill, someone to prove that he, Goliath, the giant from Gath, was the true power here on the battlefield. His eyes drew down to a figure that stepped in front of the enemy line. No armor, only a cloak. No sword, no spear, not even a man, a boy. And filled with rage, Goliath roared, who am I, a dog, that you come at me with sticks? Who do they think they are, that they would put one of their youth to fight for them? Cowards! If they want to watch one of their youth die, then so be it. Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air. Goliath stood, unmoving, waiting for a response that was shocked him into further rage. You come to me with sword and with a spear, said the boy, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head and all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel and he does not save with sword and spear for he will deliver you into our hands. How dare this little brat speak of his God with authority over mighty Dagon, over any other gods? And how can he possibly think that he could defeat me, mighty Goliath? He breathed a deep rage-filled breath. He slid his spear down his hand, the weapon he knew so well. He's gonna pierce this tiny Hebrew and all of the army shall know what a real warrior looks like. Goliath took a step forward, followed by another. Fueled by bloodlust, he threw himself into a sprint. Surprised that the Hebrew himself was sprinting just as hard toward him. He took a large step. He leaped into the air and drew the spear where the head itself weighed 15 pounds. He was going to skewer the boy to the ground. But before he could set his next step to aim, he saw the Hebrew's arm fly around his head and release. And as if in slow motion, Goliath saw a lone round stone coming at a velocity he never thought was possible. The impact threw his head back and he lost all momentum of his sprint. White to gray faded to black as Goliath lay motionless on the ground. He saw the Hebrew holding his very own sword above his dusty hair. And as the sword fell on Goliath's throat, he knew that there was indeed a God in Israel. That story holds a bit of a different light when you look at it from Goliath's perspective, right? Goliath didn't see the truth. He didn't. He only saw what, was, what he was capable of in that moment. He didn't see 
what God was capable of. He was rocked by the one true king. Goliath didn't know that our God is in the business of using small things for big purposes. Amen? God is in the business of using small things for big purposes. Goliath was blind to the fact, and yet he still walked into the battlefield confident. He was confident, confidently blind, like walking into a dark room when the smallest thing can bring you down. Goliath looked past God and was defeated, not because of David's own abilities, but because God backed David and not him. Goliath decided to look past something small, and he didn't see the threat that David and his little tiny stone was actually. But I wonder how often are we looking through that lens in our life? How often do we look through the eyes of a giant? I wonder if there are things in our lives that we see as small, that we see as insignificant, but have the power to bring us down. Are there things in our life that seem like no big deal that trip us up? I bet it's more often than you think, but it's more often than we think that we look at something small, we think we can handle that, and all of a sudden we can't. And we can't compare ourselves to Goliath because that dude was just straight up evil. And I want to be very clear, I am not calling any of you Goliath. I'm not. That dude was straight evil, but so is Satan, right? Satan's like the, the birthplace of evil, deceit. In John 10, 10, it says the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. So tonight, I want to cover three things that can seem small in our life, but if we overlook them, they can have lasting negative impact in our life. It's like looking through the eyes of a giant at a shepherd boy and not seeing the lion behind him. Now, the first thing that I think that we can see as no big deal is pride, is pride. All the greatest villains in the whole Bible dealt with pride. Jezebel saw the prophet Elijah in front of her, but didn't see the fire from heaven above her. Pharaoh saw Moses in front of him, but didn't see the sea split behind him. Satan himself fell from heaven because he thought he was all that. He thought he was better and higher than God. Goliath saw the boy in front of him, but didn't see the lion standing behind him. Proverbs 16, 18 says, the higher you lift up yourself in pride, the harder you fall in disgrace. The harder you fall in disgrace. Now, most of us most likely think that pride has no big impact in our life or can easily be kept in check because pride's like Goliath. Like the dude was just like, I am big, I am strong, I am mighty. It's clear that that dude was just full of himself, a lot of himself. He was a big dude. He was like nine foot, nine inches or something like that. Crazy, crazy big dude. But the truth is that pride is sneaky and that pride is most often found in a blind spot. Pride's most often found in a blind spot. Now, I just challenge you, if you think that you don't deal with pride, just go ahead and just snap a picture of the screen right here. Okay, because God might just jog your memory when you're looking through your pictures later or something like that. How many of you guys have started to drive, are driving, learning to drive? Y'all know what a blind spot is, right? Okay, if you don't, let me teach you. Because some of us here have probably had the blind spot scare where you are about to merge into another lane and you, like good driver, 10 and 2, look over your shoulder instead of just like glance at your mirror. Because the blind spot is where you, you, you can't see anything in your mirror and the driver next to you isn't 
in your window yet and you can merge into the old lady in the Civic really easily, okay? That is a blind spot. Blind spots are things that you can't see yourself, but other people can clearly see about you. This is why it's good to have Christian friends that are just honest with you because they will tell you your blind spots. Pride most often comes in the form of a blind spot. It's in a blind spot. Because if you realize that you're acting like an idiot, you're gonna stop. But if you don't, you're just gonna keep on doing it. And pride is really sneaky and loves to stay in your blind spot. Now, if you've accepted Christ as your savior, your new creation, your spiritual base is to be humble. That's like what the kingdom of God is based on is humble, just being humble. That's the opposite of pride. Pride says it's all about me. Being humble says it's all about others. That's just the, the, the clear, easy definition. If you've accepted Christ as your savior, you, your, your base is to be humble. But God has a plan for us to stay that way. And Satan has a plan for us to try and twist that and make it all about I, me, my. Those are pride's favorite words. I, me, my. How many of you have ever heard this verse before? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Raise your hand if you've heard that before. Oh man, and that, that's like Christian's jam, right? I remember in high school when I was bench pressing and I'm like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And during that time, I, didn't, I did not pray. I did not lean on Jesus at all. That was me pushing that up there. And that was me letting it fall back on my sternum. <laughs> Separated my sternum on that one. True story. Jesus is like, wake up, buddy. It's not about you. Now, there's a lot of times that we misquote this verse of I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength because the key in that verse is through Christ. Not through you, not through me. I, I can't do everything by my own strength. That's just not the truth. But pride gets us to even quote this verse, but we still go by our own power. We don't really do it ourselves. Or we try and do it ourselves when we're not supposed to really do, do it ourselves. Different things like this, like our finances. We can just like, I'm gonna go get a job and I'm gonna work for my money because I want to drive something better than a 92 Dodge Shadow, also my first car, terrible. It's like the car you don't steal in Grand Theft Auto. That was my first car. It's like, I'd rather get the scooter, okay? Now, if you want to take control of your finances, that is awesome. That is good, and that's, that's a good thing. But you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And so when you're trying to take control of your own finances and you're all of a sudden like, I have a job, but I have bills, and I still have no money. It's like I went and got a job, and then everybody else takes it. That's life, okay? But one way you can trust God with your finances is to tithe. That's one way, all right? The Bible says that anything that we bring in, all right, 10% goes to God, first fruits. We just give it to Jesus. And then in Malachi, the Bible says, God says, test me in this. There's only one thing that God says, test me in, and that's finances. Because the truth is, guys, we need money to survive. It's true. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If your goal is to be a millionaire by your 30, tithe and watch what happens. Start tithing now. Let God protect your finances and let God bless you even more because you're sowing into him. I mean, everything is God's. Do we believe that everything is God's? He's letting you keep 90%, y'all. That's an A, right? 
Hey, he's giving you, he let you keep 90. He just wants 10 back, right? He, just wasn't our, he doesn't want our heart attached to it. And so when our heart's attached to it and it's like, it's my money, I don't want to let it go. I'm going to use it for what I want to do. Oh man, that's pride. It's sneaky. It's a blind spot. It's a blind spot. Something else that could be a blind spot. Just finding a summer job. All right, I'm going to go out and I will find a summer job. I can't find any job. No one will hire me. Sound familiar to anyone? It's a summer. You can't do it. Honestly, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Have you asked God about it? And if you have, have you listened for him to talk to you back? Because talking to God's like a conversation. So maybe he wants to lead you to, to apply to a place or to work to a place. That's another way to trust God, to let pride not stumble you, to not look past it. Something else, pulling yourself out of sin struggle by yourself. Man, that's tough. That's tough. Maybe you're back in the same sin struggle or something like that. You can't do it alone. You gotta work with Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus. And anything else that you, you just do yourself. God wants to be in every single aspect of our life. That's just true. It's relationship. He wants to be in every single aspect. If y'all playing Fortnite, ask Jesus to come along. See what happens. It's good. It'll get weird. God's weird. It's true. It's true. If the, if the Bible says don't copy the customs and behavior of this world, if that's what's normal, then God ain't normal. <laughs> right? Invite him into it. Invite him to watch a movie with you, an appropriate movie. Because if you invite him to watch an inappropriate movie, you will feel guilt and conviction. <laughs> <laughs> and you will feel uncomfortable. You know what? In fact, invite him. Invite him to that. Let him convict you of it. But for real, I've had God speak to me through movies. I've had God speak to me through books, through stories, through different times in life. Invite him into it. Make it about him. Make it about others. Be humble about it, for sure. Now we look through the eyes of a giant. We're blinded by pride. Pride is so sneaky, it even masks itself as insecurity. Some of you might like, I'm not, I'm not prideful. I actually like, don't really, I don't think a lot about myself. I actually kind of beat myself up. And if insecurity is something, oh man, that's pride. Pastor Will, how can insecurity be pride? Well, I'm glad you asked, y'all. Good questions. Pride is so sneaky, it masks itself as insecurity. Insecurity is a perverse form of pride because we assume everybody else is focused on us. They aren't. Everybody else is focused on themselves too, okay? Nobody really is worried about what you wore today. No one's really worried about if like your one little piece of hair is out of place. No one's worried if your pinky toes are ugly. My wife said, how are your pinky toes, Will, when I want to wear flip-flops once? Like two days ago. <laughs> I was like, they're fine, woman, leave me alone. Then I did the dishes. We're making ourselves out to be much more important to them than we really are. When we're asking things of like, we ask things like this, what will she think of me? What will he think of me? What, what will people say about me? What if I'm wrong and people find out? What makes you think people are actually thinking about you? People are so consumed with their own stuff, their own problems, their own like business. They're not really thinking about you. But you see how if you are insecure about yourself, it's just pride that's hidden. It's a blind spot. It's a blind spot. And so when you think you don't have a, a problem with pride, this is for me, I was like, I kept valuing other people's opinions other than God's opinion of me. And it was just pride. And once you become aware to your blind spot, oh, granny's in the civic next to me. Okay, I'm not gonna turn. 
If you know that pride's working in your life, all of a sudden you're no longer looking through the eyes of a giant. You're no longer blind to the small thing in front of you that can have a big impact in your life. See, pride, it will make you a giant in the mirror, but a pushover in the spirit. Every time you struggle with pride, the thing that's gonna be magnified is yourself. And in the spirit, you're gonna become a pushover. The truth is this though, Jesus will make you a servant in the mirror and a giant in the spirit. Jesus, active in your life, inviting him into all those places will make you a giant in the spirit because you are a servant. You're about other people. You're about serving other people's needs, helping them. You are bringing heaven to earth. And when you bring heaven to earth, every single step you walk is on holy ground. And then the giants around you in front of you will fall. You become giant slayers. When David was on that field, he was a giant in the spirit, but he was a shepherd boy. His job was to make sure the little sheep are okay. That was his job at that point in time. His job was not to kill giants. But I wonder if David had a little aha moment. Bible says that Goliath got his start killing men. And David's like, oh, I'm gonna get my start killing giants. All of you have that same spirit inside of you. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. If you are a servant in the mirror, you'll be a giant in the spirit. Jesus modeled this. He wants this for every single one of us. So the first thing that can have, that we can look past is pride can have big negative impact in our life. We, we were like, we don't struggle with pride. It can have big negative impact. The second thing that can have big negative impact in our life, seeing something through giant eyes is insignificant sin, insignificant or small sin. The truth is that all sin separates us from God. Every single sin separates us from God, all of it. And so what I'm talking about is small sin. I'm talking about cussing. I mean, how many times do you honestly like cuss during the day? Think about that. I'm not asking you to raise your hands, okay? Don't point at other people. Give them numbers. What I'm saying is all the different times that you cuss during the day, do you honestly say sorry for every one of them? Do you? What about crude jokes? Fellas. It's just kind of in our nature, right? Crude jokes. Crude jokes. The Bible talks about crude jokes and cussing not being good. Don't do it. All sin separates you from God. So have you honestly said sorry for the that's what she said joke? Have you? Have you? Have you said sorry for inappropriate stuff like that? Or just taking the Lord's name in vain? Just taking the Lord, saying God. Darn it, but not saying darn it. God darn it is still taking Lord's name in vain. Jesus, forgive me, I love you. You're awesome, amen. <laughs> All right, All that stuff. Have you said sorry for that stuff? Um, lust. Now, obviously, like if you looked at pornography, you knew you'd do something wrong. But what I'm saying is, Jesus talks about lust being like you committed adultery already in your heart if you've looked upon a woman with lust. And this is the same for women as well. Anything that would be a lustful image or a lustful thought for you. And it's just that second look. It's that second look. Like if someone walks into the room, you see movement, your eyes could go to it. If that is like a naked person, don't look again, <laughs> is what we're saying. Okay? It's like, oh, that's naked. Okay. Right? Okay? 
If you look again, that would be considered a lustful, like, that would be considered a pull from Satan to try and get your mind over there. Just say, just say sorry for that stuff. Insignificant sin can lead. It's like marijuana. It's a gateway sin, okay? Small sins that add up over time can morph into big sin struggles later. So just keep knocking them out. I'm not saying, no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. I've done this stuff. Like, make sure that you just continually ask for forgiveness. Cover those bases. Say, God, I don't want anything in between us. If there's anything I did today, whether I knew it or not, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I want to come back. Like, I want to be back close to you again. That's all it takes. Because God, Jesus, offered freedom to us. And it's, it's there for the taking. Insignificant sin is, can be a big thing, even though it seems small. Proverbs 28, 13. This is actually our kids' church verse this week. <laughs> Pretty stoked about it. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. It's just that simple. Just confess and turn from them. And Jesus is like, okay, we're good again. And that's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. He doesn't want you to do it again, obviously. But it's, it's a good thing. All right, third thing that could be small in our mind but could have big impact in our life is boredom. Who has been bored so far this summer? I am raising my hand because I have as well. Yes, boredom. Boredom can seem like it's no big deal. I ain't got nothing to do today. I'll watch Netflix for 12 hours. I'll eat three sleeves of Oreos and a bunch of Pringles and Cheetos. Man, Cheetos are good. Anyway, <clears throat> coming to the summer, this is a real deal. And when I was in high school, no joke, when I was in high school, boredom put me in the hospital, community service, and debt. <laughs> I attribute that to boredom. Boredom did all of those things for me my senior year of high school. And it was not fun and not good at all, at all. So this is the truth. Boredom breeds bad decisions. It does. When you're at home alone, or you're hanging out with the friends or whatever, and you guys are bored, Satan's going to start throwing in some why don't you guys do this? Or why don't you guys do that? Or why don't you guys just go get high and steal a car. You know, that's not from my past. That's an example. Just want to be clear. That wasn't the debt and community service and stuff like that. Now, <laughs> I just need to feel like I needed to say that. I don't know why. Proverbs 16, 27 says, idle hands are the devil's workshop. <laughs> idle lips are his mouthpiece. Do y'all want to be devil, the devil's workshop? That's the, the answer is no. Everybody say no. Thank you. No, you don't want to be the devil's workshop at all. Idle hands is the devil's workshop. All I'm saying, it can be really simple and really practical. Plan. I was talking to Braden. That dude fish, fish is like nuts. He's fishing everywhere. And, and he's catching, you told me he caught a fish like, it was huge. No, that's what it was. Go, go fishing. For real, like fill your time. I'm saying fill your time. Like have a plan. Don't have no plan, okay? Fill your time with stuff. Whether it's like, hey, I'm gonna go to the movies or I'm gonna, like, let's all go and do this. Like, just fill your time and be practical with it. That's all it is. Because if you're bored, and I think a lot of us um, can, can remember the times that if you're home alone and you're just bored, you waste your time and you end up doing something you regret. I know the first time you, you watched a whole season of Stranger Things, you didn't regret it. 
But are you telling me in season two, you're like, what have I done with my life? For real, for real, it can be that way. Boredom breeds bad decisions. Make a plan. Now I wanna conclude with this. If we're looking through the eyes of a giant, two things happen. We underestimate God, and we overestimate ourselves. Don't underestimate what God can do in your life. Invite him along, invite him along. Don't let pride bring you down. Don't let insignificant sin bring you down. This summer, don't let boredom bring you down. Invite Jesus in on it. If you have nothing to do, ask Jesus. God, what do you want to do today? You'd be surprised at what he says. For real, because he wants to do stuff with you. He doesn't want to just meet you here in church. He wants to go camping. He wants to go fishing. He wants to go to the mall. He wants to go to the movies. He wants to do stuff with you. Might sound weird, guys. Date Jesus. I'm serious. While I was married, Jesus was like, I want you to date me. And I was like, I'm gonna have to talk to my wife, Jesus, because she might have an issue with that. And my wife was like, I've been dating Jesus our whole relationship. Fair enough. Fair enough, lady. But for real, like if you start to treat Jesus like you would treat your girlfriend, first of all, you'll never, you'll never meet a girl that'll be your number one girl unless you can put her number two in your life. That's just the truth. You'll never have a girl that could be your number one girl or a guy that could be your number one guy, girls, okay? I just said so many different things. Okay, girls, turn your ears off. I'm talking to guys, okay? Guys, you'll never meet your number one girl unless you could put her number two in your life. Girls, you'll never meet your number one guy unless you could put him as number two in your life, meaning Jesus is number one. He's number one. And if you simply humble yourself and say, I'm gonna be a servant to you, Jesus. I'm gonna serve you in my relationship. I'm gonna serve you in my summer. I'm gonna serve you with my free time. And that doesn't mean you need to go out and help old ladies cross the street all day. Like, Jesus wants to be in your life with you. Then, all of a sudden, you are a giant in the spirit because you're a servant in the mirror. And Satan... Satan wants you to be a giant in the mirror, wants you to magnify yourself so you can be a pushover in the spirit. God wants the best possible things for you. And, you, and we have a whole week off. All right, we have a week off of 4640. That means there's, there's not gonna be a worship service tomorrow night here. There's not gonna be worship here. There's not gonna be the word here, all right? But what can you do? You can invite Jesus into your week. Instead of falling back, you can spring up. You can spring up in God. Come to, to come to adult services on Sundays. We jam out there. We do. I dance just as hard there as I do here. People think I'm weird. I'm cool with it. Come be weird with me, okay? <laughs> Big church is, is, is a cool thing. Like, all I'm saying is invite Jesus on, on this, this journey with you this summer. Don't let small things in your life, don't look past them. Invite Jesus into your life and be a giant slayer. Please pray with me. God, thank you so much, Jesus, for who you are, for for what you do. God, you are just so good to us. And Lord, I pray that every single one of us this week and next week can be giants in the spirit. God, I pray that we can hear you calling. We can see you in our lives. And that Lord, that as we move and as we breathe, we can invite you into every breath, every movement. And God, that we can feel your heart for us. Lord, 
I love you. I pray that you bless every single one of us. Keep us safe over 4th of July. Let us be able to invite you into our decisions. God, I pray against boredom in our life. I pray against insignificant sin in our life. And I pray against pride in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you can protect every single one of our eyes, that we can see past that, that we're not gonna look through the eyes of a giant, but we are gonna look through the eyes of our Savior. I pray the mind of Christ over every single one of us. Lord, let us see the world how you see it. Let us love how you love. Let us live how you live. We love you in your heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.